0: And John McMullen uh, Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. Starts right now.
1: Welcome to the NFL. Let's Let's go!
0: Let's go! Let's go!
2: a good Tuesday mini bye week morning. Birds fans, you got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMone and Jonah McDonald here to hang and talk uh, two hours of Eagles football with you this morning. Thanks for streaming in. Let's see, we've got a couple of good uh, numbers of people already in here. Beat the rush. I'm not sure exactly how many days there are left shopping till Christmas, but go ahead and hit that like button right off the bat. Do it, feel better about yourselves. We'll feel better about you. Let's have a love fest here this morning. All right, let's start the show Ooh, first Kevin.
3: Christmas reference, I think. That's my first one of the year, Joe.
2: Okay, yeah, uh, nice. Just gotta get uh, the holiday
3: spirit, came out
2: of left field. Um, and yesterday you got a uh, media session with the first pander in Chief, Johnny Mack. Uh, <laughs> his
3: Philly's yeah, red, Phillies, was philly's uh post uh hoodie on i think uh so you know he's gearing uh, up was
2: it postseason specific yeah. i didn't even know i just saw his philly's hey right, well he's, he's sucking up as usual um nick suani did his uh after game after uh, although it was a couple days way there after his monday news gathering and as expected he admitted that yeah uh they're gonna be without avante maddox he's gonna have surgery so uh, more than likely done for this he's certainly done for the regular season uh they l- left the door open a crack for a potential playoff return yeah highly unlikely if that's going to be the case if he has to have full-blown uh surgery for his torn pec muscle and the coach is optimistic that They're just going to have to move a couple pieces around. They're not going to have to go outside the organization. He likes his in-house choices to cover their uh, uh, in-the-slot needs. You buying what Nick Sirianni was trying to sell yesterday?
3: No. No. But, uh, you know, I I compared it to last year when they went outside the organization for Linval Joseph uh, and Adamic and Sue. Um, they had that first game where they gave their in-house option, which at the time was Marvin Wilson, um, an opportunity in Houston. It didn't go well, and that's when they 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 quickly moved in another direction. I think the same thing's going to happen here in Tampa. I think it's going to be uh, Goodrich, and if he plays well, I think he'll get another week, and if he doesn't play well, I think – how he might start burning up the phones. Um, I think it's going to be similar to that. Um, you know, as a coach, you always want to be optimistic. You always want to lift up your guys. Um, but, I mean, that's that's difficult because not only have they lost the Ponte Maddox, but they lost his backup in the preseason, his projected backup in Zach McPherson. So it, you're down to number three, which is, you can imagine difficult in any position in the NFL when you're down to the third guy Um, and it's where the Eagles are in the slot and we'll see how it shakes out. But uh, I'm not surprised he was optimistic, but I think, you know, if you get, got out the truth serum, the sodium pentothal, I think you might have a, a different, different answer.
2: And I think your answer is a very accurate one. He could take the sodium pentatol today and maybe pass the test. Let's see how Monday night's game goes against the Buccaneers and then give them a little bit more of that sodium pentatol. And it may be a different answer uh, because we'll get a first class. Look, I uh, certainly agree with you that Goodrich will be the number one guy. Uh, maybe the thing that is more interesting to me is how often, if at all, will they drop? James Bradbury into the slot they did work it out during the preseason and gave him rotations and snaps in there uh the party line was that it's going to be for very specialized matchups against other teams who have very good pass catching tight ends and or tall wide receivers that they may put into the slot that he'd actually be a better matchup than Avante Maddox well we don't even have the Avante Maddox option anymore so it would be he or Goodrich uh, I think they meant it when they did it, it wasn't just for a fun exercise. And I remember Bradbury's quotes about, oh, it gives you a different look at the defense. I'm just enjoying myself. And he made it sound like a lark that he was doing it, but the coaching staff seemed a little bit more serious about it than, than Bradbury did. Uh, and if he was good at it, it does give you a limited option depending on matchups. Uh, I'll give you a guy. Oh, I don't know, like Mike Evans, who is killing it again this year, the first couple of games for the Bucs. Even though he's not happy with the contract, he's going out and playing really well. If the Bucks try to use him in the slot, do you think we can see Bradbury on Monday night making that move inside?
3: Yeah, I mean, in 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 small increments, yeah. But I mean, how much is Tampa Bay going to use Mike Evans in the slot? I mean, that's not what he does. So, yeah, I think it's more likely, you know, Chris Godwin in the slot. And you don't want, uh, uh, you know, James Bradbury against short area quickness. That's not his game. His game is dealing with people like like Mike Evans mm-hmm. outside. That 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 that's why I don't buy it. I mean. Why are you taking an all-pro? This is an all-pro corner last season. He's never played better. Why are you taking him out of his comfort zone? Never made any sense to me, Um, except, as you mentioned, when Travis Kelsey shows up. When, you know, interesting, last week would have been something we could have seen with Hawkinson. You know, maybe he would have been in the slot dealing with Hawkinson if he didn't have the concussion. Those are the types of matchups I think they were working for with Bradbury uh, potentially moving inside for, for short increments. Um, and then, you know, uh, Maddox, maybe is on Jordan Addison, which is a better, you know, matchup in theory. Um, but we never got to see it because he had a concussion. Um, yeah. But long-term, no, I mean, I, I Godwin plays outside as well, obviously, but he, he plays in the slot. They don't have a great slot receiver. I think they're using a rookie. Um, but you know, it's the typical slot receiver, at least from a size standpoint. It's not the 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 giant uh, sort of if you thinking of a from an Eagles perspective, Jason Abant like or Jordan Matthews like slot player. You know, maybe in a week where that was something in the mix, maybe you see more Bradbury, but um, I, I truly believe it's matchup driven. I've been told it's matchup driven. You might see it when Travis Kelsey arrives, um, and, and something like that, but not not every time nickel. James Bradbury is going to be the slot quarterback. That doesn't make any sense. Right.
2: And and that's why when you first told me they had Bradbury, I'm doing why? Why would you do something like that? You got a pro bowl level quarterback playing outside. You want to move him inside. Didn't seem to make sense after the explanation made a little bit more. And I think it will be with Maddox out something they may tap into more than they were going to, but it's still only going to be on a uh, limited basis and one of those guys they may try it against is CeeDee Lamb, but that's down the road. They don't play the Cowboys the second half of the season because I watched that Cowboys-Jets game, and he just – the Jets have a very good secondary. He ate them alive coming out of the slot. They just didn't do a good job.
3: There. Yeah, he's a very good player, a very yeah. good
2: player. Um, so you mentioned this yesterday on the show, and, and Nick certainly left the door open to it, the possibility of taking one of their safeties – And using him as the nickel cornerback, the most logical guy would be Justin Evans. We've never seen him play down there, but he did in his uh, previous life uh, with the Saints before he came here. You'll remember last year, like you said, uh, they didn't go immediately to C.J. Gardner as their replacement when Avante Maddox was out dropping him down to the slot. They uh, tried to fix it with an actual cornerback first, but then eventually said... Yeah, no, let's let's give CJ a slide here. Cause he had done it before in of all places, New Orleans. Exactly what they're going to ask Evans to do if they do that. Uh if Goodrich comes out and is getting abused in the first half, do you think they make a switch like that in game, Johnny Mac?
3: Yeah, it's possible. I mean, if it's bad, it's bad and you gotta adjust and you gotta make a, a change, whether that change would be, you know, Justin Evans moving down or you know, maybe Josh Job moves inside. I, I don't think enough people have talked about that. Um, you know, because uh, he's got some, at least from a trade standpoint, some should have some versatility. There's certainly yeah, like Eli Ricks is long, you know, 6'2, not really you know, generally long guys like that don't play in the slot. Uh, Job's, you know, more compact. So at least on paper, maybe he could be um part of the equation. Evans has done it as you mentioned from the safety position. And I think it's the comfort level of the guy behind it. And the reason I I pay more attention that Evans than say Joe Job is because um you know Terrell Edmonds has played a lot of football. Um you know started five years on a pretty good defense. So um I think there's a comfort level there that maybe um, allows them to look at that Avenue more than the younger players who are unproven for the most part. Um, And, and the Eagles have shown, unless you're off the charts, talented, like Jalen Carter, you know, they're going to take things slow with rookies. They, they've shown that. Um, And, you know, so maybe they have to eventually, throw guys into the deep end of the pool, but it seems like they want to bring them along a little bit more slowly. And right now it looks like they got to throw Goodrich into the deep end of the pool. But if he fails, he
2: fails. Let me uh, go two plus two equals four. Might be a reach of a four, but a four just the same. Uh, If Goodrich struggles and in game they go to Evans and he seems to play significantly better there either with the naked eye or after they uh breakdown film thereafter and all of a sudden if you think evans is going to be good there and you can leave him there for the rest of the year now you've got a bit of a hole at safety the Baker rumors you know are going to start again they uh, immediately when uh, he made his unhappiness in arizona well known during the offseason rumors started flying in the eagles that was one of I would suggest that was more than a dot 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 and the Eagles, which anytime <laughs> there are trade rumors, the Eagles always get involved because that's how he Roseman has his reputation. He's always going to check into everything. And Eagles are an aggressive team. But this one is legit because they could very well have a need at that position. How loud will the drums beat that Bud uh, Buda Baker's coming here to Philadelphia if Evans drops down this week and looks like the number one choice to be the slot corner replacement.
3: Well, I think you got to wait a little bit because he's on IR now. So, we, you know, he's at least going to miss four games. Um, and we'll see how, so the fact that he's injured, I would curtail the immediacy aspect of it. Now Did he play per, week one? I, yeah. Um, okay. and he, and they put him on IR just this week. Um, so he's out for the next four
2: four games no matter what
3: yeah exactly so the immediacy is out the window you know if you start talking halloween trade deadline and he's healthy then then it's a more legitimate conversation now they did rework his deal um so they made him happy at least from a contract standpoint and the same rules apply that we talked about in the offseason look the players i'm I'm all for the player but he makes a lot of money um and he costs significant assets i mean the cardinals aren't going to hand them to you for a couple six round picks i mean significant assets plus you got to pay him i would still say it's a very very low percentage that that's going to happen uh, and the injury makes it even lesser. Percentage. Right.
2: Uh, if he's going to be out for four weeks, if you're going to give up, as you say, the Cardinals' ask number is not probably going to drop because of the number of games that he's going to miss while he's injured. Their ask price is going to be their ask price. And if you're not getting that many games out of them, you're going to be reticent to want to pay the price that the Cardinals are asking. I just wanted to put that out there for conversational purposes. All right, uh, and speaking of the Eagles' busy general manager, Howie Roseman, out there playing those silly roster reindeer games yesterday, too, the Eagles have themselves a new punter. Aaron Sipos released from the practice squad. Squad uh, Braden Mann brought in. Uh, we've kicked ma- man's name around before because the Eagles previously had claimed him. He was on waivers. When the Jets waved him, the Eagles put in a claim. They didn't get him. The Steelers did. Still, as this off season decided to go in a different direction uh, after a punting competition in camp, so man has been sitting out there for a couple of weeks, and the Eagles make the move for him now. Is it because they decided? Well, we got those two elevations out of Aaron Sipas, and if we're gonna get our punter every single week off the practice squad for seventeen weeks this year, at least we had two out of Aaron before
3: we kissed him goodbye. Yeah. I thought, I thought they, you know. When I first heard about it, I said, Are they gonna piecemeal this all season at punter? Um but then they would have took it three weeks for Aaron and then just claimed him. So I do think he's gonna be the punter. Now obviously he's got three weeks to prove if he if he punts poorly, um, they're just gonna go to another guy. So I mean our our long local nightmare, people overstated how bad Aaron Cipas was, certainly bad in the Super Bowl, and that's going to re- – and he wasn't great against Minnesota, you know, but he got bailed out. You remember that early punt. I forget their punt returner. It's not Jalen Rager. They cut him, but uh, the guy had a nice return um, about 20, 25 yards, and Justin Evans bailed him out, fumble at the end. That was right. a bad punt. So, you know, we had sort of this extra three-week uh, tryout, whether you want to call it. He didn't make it three weeks. Um, I think that the mini buy had something to do with it. And Nick mentioned the operation, the holding part of it. That's one of most. If Jake Elliott starts teetering a little bit, this is gonna this is gonna turn out to be bad. Uh, their numbers are eerily similar. A man's a little bit better in gross. We're talking less than one half, you know, 0.5 yards, Uh, a little bit better net, less than 0.5 yards. And he's worse kicking it inside the 20. So it's, you know, he's been a little bit better, depending probably if open field kicks a little bit worse with directional kicks, is it that big of an upgrade to screw around? That, were
2: those his Pittsburgh numbers? Because I remember him when he was a partner of the Jets, and I thought pitting a team inside the 20 was actually a strength for him, that he was better than that, than booming a 60-yarder when you needed it.
3: Well, um, I think that's his reputation, but I, I did look up the numbers I'm trying to pull them up uh, as we speak. Um, and, and Sipos was better from a percentage standpoint of kicks inside the 20. Um, and it was a slight, you know, slight performance. Uh, so he's 32.7% Sipos and, and, and Braden's 20, 29.1%. Um, so a little bit better the, they're, was that there. Are those career numbers you're giving us? Or yeah, these are year? career numbers, career, career numbers. numbers. The, the the gross is 45.4 for man, 44.6, so a little bit more. Uh, the net is 39.3 for man, 38.7 for SIPOS. And the percentage, as I said, inside 20 SIPOS has actually been better, 32.7 to 29.1. So, right smack dab, the same type of uh, numbers. You know, maybe he's a slight upgrade. And that's why I look at Jake Elliott, man. Guy's been, other than Justin Tucker, you can make an argument that he's been the best kicker in football over the past basically two years, moving into the second year. He's kicking 61 yarders, 56 yarders, banging it through. You know kickers, Jody. You've been around long enough. Some of them, they get something in their head, Um it's not even a bad hold. I go back to the preseason. Ty Zetner had one hold here. It was a perfect hold. I looked at it 10 times to make sure. It was a perfect hold in Baltimore. 46 yarder, he missed it. Is that why? I don't, I don't know, but he missed it. I'm just throwing it out there. Where, where will Mr. Mann
2: and Mr. Elliot be hanging this afternoon so that they can get comfortable with each other? There is a comfort level to it. All right, I will tell you who else is comfortable. That would be the Mac and Mac guys when we get a chance to punch up Mr. Inkstained Wretch himself, one of the best Twitter handles I know. Our pal Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer and WIP is going to be jumping in with us next here on Birds 365.
4: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
5: At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving them up and good play calling along the way. First in goal at the sixth. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
1: Champions on three. One, two, three. Because
5: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
2: Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling. Asking the right questions
6: to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now.
2: Soganow helps kids in under resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most.
6: When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now.
2: You got your MAGAMAC guys here on birds 365 and we've got Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer and WIP to jump in with us and talk some birds football. Good to see you, Marcus. Thanks for jumping in. I'm really, inter- I'm really interested to see your take on the Eagles after two games because we had a bunch of guys on before the season started. And you were one of the guys who raised more questions than most that uh, they had, the uh, Eagles had questions to answer, even though they were the NFC defending champions Two games in, two wins, two hard-fought games rather than a couple of their NFC counterparts like the 49ers and the Cowboys who have won handily their first two games. have your questions been answered so far in the first two Eagle games?
7: I guess my biggest question was about Nakobe Dean, the middle linebacker, and everything was sort of going to emanate through him. Second-year player calling the defensive signals for first-year defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, and Nakobe got hurt. So that big question and it's it's a big question for me because it's a he's a guy that they want to sign to a second contract. Right. And if you can solidify that position with a third round pick, who's going to get a modest second contract down the road, you're in really good shape, especially if it's a position that they don't prioritize or expect to spend a lot of money or a high draft pick on. So that big question has not been answered because the Dean's out for, what is it, John, six weeks at least. Yeah.
3: Well, at least four games. So, you know, but the injury uh, certainly could linger past. I think a lot of people say four games, four games, he'll be out for four games. Not necessarily. He'll be out for at least four games. So uh, we'll have to see how that shakes out. I do like your thought of modest because if he plays too well, I've always said he, the Eagles aren't going to resign him to that second deal because they just have proven time and time again, Marcus, they're not going to pay that position. So he almost has to be, to get that second contract and build up, he almost has to be good, but not too good. And I'm not sure. Well, I think the Eagles get too caught up in that. I really do. If you have a good player, Eh, maybe it's not the best position to have a good player, but if you have a good player, accept a good player.
7: You know, I think they will spend modest money because I don't think linebackers, unless they're sacking the quarterback, make real money anymore. You know, they don't make uh, bank-breaking money much anymore. But um, the rest of the things that uh, I wanted to see, I wanted to sort of figure out what's going to happen, uh, Cam Cam Jordan has been, you know, and this is dry stuff for your viewership, but Cam Jordan has been spectacular at right guard, especially as a run blocker. Um, he hasn't made a ton of mistakes. He's been able to figure out blitzes. I mean, Jalen Hurts got sacked by uh, Juden in New England because Lane Johnson misread the pass protection, and Cam Cam Jordan uh, Cam Jordan didn't. So, um, yeah, it's. It, it, the, that question's been answered, but the biggest question, you know, the, the it, are they going to be a fifteen-win team like I thought? Are they going to go nine and zero to begin like I thought? I think so. Yes. The biggest issue right now is probably Jalen Hurts and his ability to process and deliver balls to open receivers. He seems a little gun shy right now, a little like I don't want to make a mistake, and I don't have a problem with that with a guy with a new offensive coordinator. I know he's familiar with Brian Johnson, but it's a new offensive coordinator, and it's a new year. So my contention has always been it's a quarterback's first job to not lose a game, especially if he has a good team around him. And Jalen's done a very good job of that to this point.
2: Marcus, uh, a lot of people who are singing the tremendously optimistic tune at the beginning of Oh, of course, Jalen's going to be great with Brian Jotty. He's known him since he was knee-high to a uh, grasshopper.
3: What does because... that mean? What Were they talking ball at four years old? Was he talking ball? I always kind yeah. of snicker at it, that. It, uh, it, it's a anyway. cute
2: story, but it doesn't necessarily yeah. tell the story. And I'm with you. It hasn't been this seamless transition from what Chain Steichen used to call. Now, I'll give Minnesota's defense, for the last game credit, they said, we're going to dare you to run the football. We're not going to let you to We're going to drop nine guys back. We're going to rush three, maybe even only two. And the Eagles answered with a power running game, which is exactly what they should have. But Jalen's numbers don't jump off the page to start the season. You truly believe that it's because it's going to take time for he and Brian Johnson to get on the same page.
7: Um, I don't know, think it's as much Brian Johnson as it is just Jalen. I mean, Jalen okay. has to become, he has to find his rhythm. And he's always been that kind of quarterback since we've been around him. He's a guy who is very cautious. He doesn't (laughs) want to turn the ball over. He knows that he can make plays with his legs that keep the ball more secure. And uh, again, this defense has been a lot better than I thought it was going to be this quickly, especially as far as like making plays and, and forcing turnovers. So uh, A lot of people don't like the quarterback win set, okay? I always counter with, okay, what about the quarterback loss stat? Because quarterbacks can lose games by themselves. They can't win them by themselves. Most of them can't. But there is such a thing as a quarterback who loses you games. Zach Wilson. Or or last night, uh, Deshaun Watson.
3: Deshaun, yeah. He's not been the same. Just hasn't been the same. Two-year layoff, basically.
7: Yeah. And he's, uh, he's a lot, like he was, he he was making mistakes that, you know, rookies from small colleges make their first few games. So Jalen's strength is that he wants to win. That's his, that's his superpower and he'll do anything he thinks he needs to do to give them the best chance to win. And that might not make, you know, (laughs) it might not make AJ Brown super happy. It might not Mm -hmm. make Dallas Doddard super happy, But if he thinks that the ball security, play-to-play, requires X, Y, and Z, he's going to do X, Y, and Z.
3: Uh, Speaking of A.J., I'm I'm going to use the Nick Sirianni scale, and I want you to use it, Marcus. So Nick described it as a 2 out of 10. A.J. Brown, the dust-up with Jalen Hurts when it comes. and And anybody who's been around the NFL for five minutes knows great receivers want the football. I thought the bigger issue, Marcus, was the way Nick Sirianni reacted to that after the game, pretending he didn't know what was going on, even though everybody who shops like my wife and Jody's and has Amazon, they saw it, but Nick Sirianni's in the middle. Of, I don't know. And then he finally admits, hey, it's none of your business. I, to me, it indicated this team's a little bit tightly wound right now. I thought, ironically, Jalen handled it very well. A.J. left the locker room, so he didn't handle it well. Um, I assume he will when we get into the locker room uh, on Wednesday or Thursday. I forget what it is on the schedule. But your thoughts, first of all, 2 out of 10, the Sirianni scale. And how do you think the head coach and A.J. handled it?
7: Well, in order, it was a 5 out of 10. Because it's not the first time it's happened, and it's never appropriate. It's less appropriate when it's a team leader. And let, let's be honest, AJ Brown is a team leader. Yeah. So if he acts that way, you know, what's to keep Devonte Smith from acting that way, or Dallas Goddard from acting that way, or whoever? But uh, you know, I know Dallas. I know Devonte. I don't expect either of them to act like that, and I do expect AJ to act like that. You know, it's just who he is. Um. Clearly. AJ had a responsibility after a big win in prime time first on the home opener to speak to the press after the game, because speaking to the press is speaking to the people and he didn't, which is disappointing. He's usually very, very responsible that way, but he wasn't this time maybe because he felt that he did something wrong and was embarrassed. I don't know. Um, and Dick uh, Sirianni the same guy who, who told me, I think it was me, asked the question when he was hired that he had not looked at any tape of Carson Wentz before his interview with (laughs) Jerry. And that's a lot.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
7: You know, Nick lies sometimes and uh, it's unfortunate and it's, it's kind of insulting, you know, that he's going, that he chooses to do that. Um, And, you know, it's, it's a flaw, you know, he's, but, again, you have to remember, too, that Nick Sirianni is very much a work in progress. This is his third year as a head coach, and he's a head coach in a place that's hard to be a head coach. So, you know, when those lights come on, even though it's a Zoom call with 40 reporters who were, uh, you know, with their screens blackened because they're, you know, eating cereal or petting their dog <laughs> or whatever, he, uh, it's, it's a big stage for him. And he doesn't always make the best decision or the best responses.
2: Marcus, off the 175 yards that DeAndre Swift put up the other day, does that get him number one back status for the entire year? Number one back status for this next game? The first carry of this next game? What did DeAndre Swift give himself as far as strength goes in the Eagles running back room with the performance
7: he had on Thursday night. I guess he earned the, the right to be Miles Sanders light, you know, and one of my greatest frustrations in covering the team when Miles Sanders was hurt is that I didn't think Miles Sanders touched the ball enough or was even used as a decoy enough, you know, I didn't think he was included enough, but I'm a big, you know, established the run guy. I'm not anti-analytics, and I'm not anti-passing to win, but uh, defenders will tell you, especially linebackers will tell you, they take it as an affront when you can run the ball on them, and if their first step is sideways or forward, and you're throwing the ball, it's a huge advantage. So, I think we're going to see DeAndre Swift elevated past Kevin Gain- uh, Kenneth Gainwell, but that doesn't mean we're going to we're going to have a, a, a bell cap a workhorse you're gonna if somebody gets 14 carries it's probably going to be deandre swift and not kenneth gainwell which you know to Kenneth, you know kenneth gainwell is what he is but he's not 14 carries to one carry if, the, if deandre swift is on your team and I, I i would wonder if nick sirianni and um brian johnson weren't questioned about that usage by howie roseman and jeffrey Lurie after the new England Patriots game, because we know that they meet with, you know, uh, Nick Sirianni regularly, and especially right after games. So Deandre Swift was acquired because he's dynamic and you have to touch it in order to show that dynamism.
3: Uh, going back to Brian Johnson, uh, Marcus, he got some booze early on, um, Against Minnesota, they were struggling a little bit early. Brian Flores brings some unique looks. I think they were confused a little bit early, but I thought it was nothing but positive. He said, as Jody pointed out, he wasn't coming out of those light boxes. They were trying to limit the passing game, limit Jalen in the running game, and they said, run it. Run on us, and the Eagles did. I think that's something Shane Steichen would have done. And I, I like Shane Steichen's play calling and I like Brian Johnson's play calling because, and Jason Kelsey talked about this after the game. It was probably boring inside zone, inside zone, inside zone, inside zone. But if they're not going to stop it, take it. I think that's a positive. Other people are saying, well, you got to throw the ball. You got to, you got to have these numbers. Why? Why? <laughs> if you're successful, they're not stopping it. And we just talked about DeAndre with one hundred seventy-five yards, career high for him. Um, the offensive line was blowing people off the ball. To me, it made perfect sense. Um, I, any negatives to it?
7: Yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of the opposite. I, I'm very critical of Brian Johnson because this is what should have been done from, from point A. If you're if you're going, it's it's like a lesson they have to keep learning. And they learn it every few games where they get away from the run and they give Jalen too much responsibility in that it's not just RPOs where he can choose to run, but it's called quarterbacks run. That's what they were booing. They weren't booing drop back passes. They were booing the called quarterback run, the designed run. And I saw too much of it in the first two games. I think Jalen's run the ball, you know, 18, 20 times in the first two games. That's not sustainable, and it's not wise. He got hurt running the ball last year. He's going to get hurt running the ball this year. You saw some of the shots he took in the first two games, and a lot of them were by choice. It was like, here, hit our quarterback. Um, So I didn't like what I saw from Brian Johnson in the first five quarters of his tenure as offensive coordinator, and I'm not sure it was his call on the sideline. You know, I talked to Jason Kelsey, and um, I wanted to say Landon Dickerson, about, hey, you guys went to the run when you between the first and second quarter, because it was the first possession of the second quarter, did you know you were going to the run? And you get that side eye look, you know, like we knew we knew that there was going to be a lot of run calls there from that from that point forward, which implies to me that the head coach might have you know interjected himself and said, What are we doing here? Now I don't have any proof of that but there was a philosophical change between the first and second quarter of game two, the same way there was a philosophical change between game seven and eight in 2021, when Nick Sirianni gave up the play calling and gave it to Shane Steichen, Shane Steichen realized, okay, these are the limitations of my offense and especially my quarterback. These are the abilities of my offense and my quarterback. The abilities are, my offensive line, which is a fine pass blocking line, is a much better run blocking line, and my quarterback isn't ready to throw the ball forty times a game. So I think we see a clear line of demarcation in twenty twenty one, which I think they're twenty five and eight since then. Yeah, it's amazing. And and in uh, twenty twenty three, after five quarters, somebody said, "Hey, this is not our identity. We have to we have to revert to our identity." even though we have a MVP runner-up quarterback at three excellent targets.
6: Marcus, I want to jump
2: over to the defense side of the boy. You touched on them earlier. You're a little surprised that they've been effective at causing turnovers so far in the first couple of games. Four sacks. So they're not quite on the pace of 70 last year, but not bad. But they're actually generating as much pressure right up the middle as they are on the edges, the two big dogs from Georgia are doing a great job, not only playing the run, but collapsing the pocket and getting to the quarterback as well. Can they bank on that all year? Can, can both of the the number one draft pick from Georgia, the last two years play at this level for an entire 17 game season?
7: I think it depends less on them, Jody, than Fletcher Cox, Hmm. Fletcher Cox has been spectacular in the first two games. It's his 12th season. He's as effective as he was when he was really good last year. He wasn't really good all of last year, but he was really good a lot last year. And he's playing great. You know, he's probably their most consistent player right now if Jason Kelsey isn't as far as just being, which is hilarious because I think they're two of the three oldest players on the team. Jason's 35 and, and, and uh, Fletch is 32. But yeah, he's been really, really good. He's a good mentor, and he still attracts a lot of attention. Most of the most of the times you see Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis get into the backfield or make a stop, you know, or or touch somebody behind the line of scrimmage on like a running play, Fletcher is doing the dirty work on the other side still. So, and you know, let's let's be honest, he's the one who shut down the New England game in the fourth quarter. He made two plays in the backfield, and you know, I was like, he's been in there at that point. He'd been in for like forty six plays or 44 plays fletcher hasn't played 50 plays more than five or six times in the last couple of years and i was like what is he even doing in there and he makes two huge plays so yeah the the, the guys from j and j from uh, georgia they're they're wonderful talents and they're in a perfect position right now because fletcher cox and milton williams milton williams started the first game they're both playing well they're both veterans And uh, they're uh, the two young guys are bigger, stronger, faster, maybe more talented than those two guys, but they have a wonderful rotation right now. And it starts with Fletcher.
3: Yeah. Milton uh, Milton's played well, as you mentioned, Marcus, he's a guy that not a lot of people talk about. And Josh Sweat's having a great start to the season. Um, Hassan Reddick's had some issues. Now, part of it is, you know, Minnesota has a bad offensive line. They don't have a bad right tackle. They have a very good right tackle. So, Hassan had tougher duty. But he's dealing with that thumb issue. He had surgery. He's got to play. You know, hand handwork's in, important for a pass rusher. Do you think it's that, or do you think it's anything else going on with Hassan Reddick?
7: Well, he's not getting home from the left side either. They move him around. So... He's not getting home from the right side. He's not getting home from the left side. He's not getting home on his stunts. Uh, I don't know. You know, maybe it was the the lack of training camp. Maybe it's, uh, you know, he doesn't want to get hurt before he signs his extension. If he signs an extension, there are a lot of things that play with Hassan Reddick right now. And he loves to play football and he really loves playing football in Philadelphia. He's really happy. Um but I, I don't know. He just doesn't seem to have the same step that he had before. And again, maybe it's a maybe it's a usage and conditioning issue. Maybe the next game and the next game he'll build. Um, but yeah, it's it's odd to see against two offensive lines that were either undermanned or underexperienced. It's hard. It's it's strange to see Hassan Reddick not eating. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Marcus, want to get your take on this uh, two-part question. First question is it's easy. Multiple choice. Yes or no? Uh, setting the under over at Braden Mann as the Eagles punter at three and a half games. You're going under or over? Will he last more than three games as the Eagles punter? I'm going, I don't
7: care. I had <laughs> I hadn't heard of Braden, <laughs> <heard> Braden <laughs> Mann before uh, yesterday. Uh, no. He's a punter. You know, there's – it's – there, there is a there is a theory that you should never punt. You know, there is a contention yeah. that punting. I'm is waiting a, for that.
3: I'm waiting for somebody to pull the trigger on that. Thought it I, might I, be Brandon Staley. Uh, yeah, I, I don't
7: want it to ever happen because punt returns are really fun to watch. You know, but um, yeah, I the, the punters have always been, you know, coincidental to my existence. All right,
2: so then then I will never be on the lookout for the. If this happens, and Jonathan suggested it, it happened this year early in a game that meant zero because it was preseason, mm-hmm. uh, Jake Elliott, who seems to never miss, missed a kick in preseason. And he did it when Ty Zettner was holding. And was it the fact that he just doesn't have that same karma, yeah. that same Kickers field? are
3: strange cre- creatures, Marcus. I'm, right? I, I'm with you. Punters, who cares? Holders? Eh, those kickers... They get uh, they get real twitchy if anything's different. If Jake Elliott starts to go south, I think that's the only reason this matters. If that and and some of these kickers are really teetering on the brink of a mental break.
7: <laughs> well, I think that's nuts. <laughs> I'm not. I am not going to be documenting the the. Hunter, the Holder Chronicles. Okay. Um, I,
2: I, I was wondering if right. I had to make you know, a mini- you know
3: the best waiting for. Don't you know have you know to
7: worry about is? that in your column. Huh, Marcus? You know, you know Cor- the best Holder Cor- is? Cor- I've ever been around? Nope. Doug Peterson.
3: Doug, Doug was good. Yeah. Oh, Doug was holder, now, yeah. now, here's why I covered Blair Walsh, who was an all-pro as a rookie. How come he Holders lost- don't
7: get to go to the Pro Bowl?
3: No, he was the kicker.
7: No, how come holders no, don't, it's, don't it's Oh, they should. Well, you're right, Marcus. Damn straight.
3: Yeah, long snappers, you're right. He was an all-pro, though, as a rookie. They changed his holder. He was a disaster. I've, I've never, now, that's a, an extreme example. It doesn't happen to that degree. But kickers are very sensitive creatures at times. I don't get that feeling from Jake Elliott, but I do think it's worth saying, worth mentioning. Uh just something to keep an eye on as they move forward. But you're
7: you think they go um, back and they think they go re-sign Aaron Sipos?
3: No, no. Now here's a
7: legitimate.
2: Hold on, timeout Philadelphia. Here's a legitimate question for you two very knowledgeable football guys.
7: Who is the holder now? Uh, well, we believe it in great man, the grad, new hunter that they signed. Well, why wouldn't it be like the backup quarterback?
3: <laughs> they don't do that anymore. Uh, because you know, it's interesting. Bill Belichick, it would be great if
7: Marcus Mariota, after all the Heisman hype, yeah, and the high draft pick became the holder.
3: Yeah, yeah uh, Bill, it uh, used to be back then, quarter, but maybe a backup quarterback was a holder yeah. sometimes. A wide, re- they do all different things. Bill Belichick did a every once in a while. You've probably seen it, Marcus. It, Bill will, if you talk about anything, but if you talk about the history of the game, mm-hmm. he might go on a dissertation. He went off about the history of of special teams, kickers, holders, punters for 20 minutes, talking about how it's changed. It was great. One of the issues was holders, and he mentioned that. Can't do it anymore. Uh, Those guys all work together. You have limited preparation time, so they can sit off on the other fields, whereas you need your backup quarterback and all that stuff. And back in the old days, you'd spend two minutes. All right, go practice a hold now. It's much more structure. Practice time is clearly. Yeah, there's LeBorgan. no reason.
7: There's no reason for that. Like they have the. You know what I'm saying? I mean, why can't they practice holding with the backup quarterback? Well, who so if they, the play they... so if the play blows up, he Market... gets up and he throws pass.
2: Well, they I, could. I, I, I know you've it's noticed same. this. The Eagles don't practice much.
3: Yeah, they don't. League the only allows them so long. much
7: practice time,
2: and yeah. the Eagles do even less because God That's... forbid somebody get hurt. So, so use yeah. the extra.
7: Use the extra for for the holding practice. Nick, Nick, Nick could be 20 minutes late for his press conference. Yeah, if
2: he did that, though, Howie might come down and go, you know they could get hurt practicing the snap. You, you really want to put them at risk? Uh, That's right. We have data on that. <laughs> they probably do. They Don't probably do. You kid when you say that, but I can almost <laughs> guarantee you, somewhere in their files they've got data on injuries uh, holding for uh, kicking. Um,
7: that, that is just – How up the punters. Oh, is it worse to lose your backup quarterback in a game? Or your punter?
3: Well, if, you're, if your starting quarterback isn't uh it's not an issue. If you lose your punter, yeah. I mean, yeah. generally, kickers can punt a little bit, and they can get you through the game. So, you know, if, if if Braden but, Mann were to they, get injured.
7: Don't they have the third quarterback now, though?
3: Yeah, Everybody they do.
7: Yeah. They do, mm-hmm.
3: which is interesting you. because certain teams don't even use it, and that makes no sense to me. Uh, but yeah, but we now rest. they have the. There has to be well,
2: something. No, I can important. tell you why they don't use it because they don't want to give up a 53 man yeah, roster well, spot. Yeah. The Eagles are uber protective of all three of their 53 man roster That's why they're elevating a punter every single week because those 53 man spots are like gold in some teams.
3: Well, it's, it's not about support. the 53; it's about the game day roster. So and uh, they're John, giving you plays? an extra player. No, how but many many you have times? to be on
2: the 53 to get that extra spot.
3: Yeah. But some teams with third quarterbacks, sorry Marcus, yeah. aren't using that third quarterback because it with makes no sense. With to me. three
2: quarters on the, f- yes, on the fifty-three minutes. So John, no how many times me.
7: can you be promoted from the practice three. squad? Three. All right. So I would take the under, Jody. So you think oh. they're just gonna rotate it in? <laughs> Either <Yeah, out, laughs> we're gonna have. It could be the have, first team. Oh, thank seven you for
4: reminding me, Marcus. Yeah. I completely
2: forgot. It was in the middle seven. of a question and we got off on a tangent. I don't know the answer to this. I hope one of you two guys do. They'll have seven punters this year. If Aaron Sipas got released yesterday, so that'd no, be not great. There. By you the could way. sign on with any other team's practice squad, kick uh, new kicker for the Eagles for the next as Marcus and I suggest two or three weeks, and then they go through the process again. If you re-sign Sipas, does that restart the elevation from the practice squad clock,
3: or does That'll the two so. times he's already done it count? No, it, it 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 doesn't restart for the Eagles, right? It, restart You sure? Yeah. 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 Positive.
7: And then um, Sip,
3: then Cypress isn't coming back. He no. come
7: back once
3: and come back come for, back one, for game. one game. Man. Yeah. Um at Ink Stain Wretch, Paulo Marcus on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, inquire.com, make sure you read him there. Sports Radio WIP, you can listen to him there and we always love it when he stops by with us. Is that it? Well, no, last one for me. Jody's going to get the last one. We got one last question each. Yeah. Uh, What we haven't talked about, we got too mucked up. I'll I'll take the blame for that with the punter (laughs) conversation, but
7: older conversation. Yeah.
3: Older (laughs) conversation. Uh, Nickel Corner. I mean, look, this team was healthy last year. Now, ironically, Avante Maddox was one of the guys who was a little bit banged up, missed nine games, but he was back for the NFC Championship game, the Super Bowl, although playing through an injury. Now, most likely done for the season, Marcus. They lost Zach McPherson in the preseason. Everybody forgets about that. He was going to be the backup dinkle this year. Now you're down to Mario Goodrich. Now, Nick Sirianni said he likes his in-house options, we started this conversation with Nick being less than honest. We'll end it. Any honesty to that at all, that he's happy with his in-house options right now? Well, slot cornerback?
7: My, the thing that intrigues me on a couple different levels is that James Bradbury practiced at slot a little bit during preseason, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He so did. There, that intrigues me because number one, he'd be, you'd be saying that that position in certain alignments is as important or more important than the outside spot because James Bradbury's make making a lot of money to play nickel.
3: Yeah.
7: Number two, the James Bradbury to me looks worst on the interior when he has to deal with the, the player cutting in versus cutting out. He seems a little bit less comfortable, a little bit less aggressive. So maybe he's not the best option. So I wouldn't be surprised assuming he comes back from his concussion. Uh, um, on Monday night to see him there a few times. And I think Josh Doe would be on the outside, Jody, if that's, if I'm not, or John, if I'm not mistaken. So I, maybe that's what he's talking about, that he has these pieces, but they might not be deployed in the, uh, you know, in their normal roles. Um, But yeah, it's kind of a, the talk of training camp was look at the depth they have at cornerback early in training camp. And now, you know, with three guys, you know, one guy dinged up and two guys hurt. It's, it doesn't seem to be quite as deep. And we're, we're, you know, worrying about whether they're viable at that position with the personnel they currently have, but uh, you'll see how, how good, how good a job they actually did in scouting lesser known quarter cornerbacks and how good Sean Desai is at deploying them. It's, it's a big, you know, this is, this is a really fascinating time for the defensive coordinator, because he's got a safety who's hurt. He's got a nickel corner. Who's hurt. He's got a cornerback. Who's hurt, but the defense is playing great anyway, to this point against, you know, uh, Mac Jones and, you know, lesser passers. And they're not going to, you know, they got Baker Mayfield next. And I know he had a great game this Sunday, but Baker Mayfield is Baker Mayfield. So, it's going to be an interesting first three weeks because we don't know where they're going to be injury-wise next week. We don't know how they're going to perform in Tampa on Monday night with Baker Mayfield coming off you know, a validation game. So, yeah, the, the biggest question I think all of us had, because there's a little continuity in the offense if Brian Johnson becomes the offensive coordinator, there's no continuity on the defense. Fletcher Cox is coming back. Brandon Graham is coming back. They're a million years old. Breed uh, <laughs> Blankenship who was uh, afterthought this time last year, is is the safety th- that you're depending on. And, you know, you have a middle linebacker in N'Kobe Dean who's never really played. So all of those questions are, some have been answered, some are now amplified. And you wonder how offensive coordinators are going to attack this defense and whether Sean Desai is going to be able to get his players in the right positions and playing fast enough to counter that
2: Marcus. My last question is again, another two-parter uh, easy first one, multiple choice, and then uh, give me a little bit more on the second end um, through two weeks of the national football league season. How many teams are two and zero? it's a quiz. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Four? <laughs> no, nine, nine right. and two and zero. which you think all right, first week 32, 50 50, cuts down to 16. Next week, 50 50, cuts down to eight. They're actually nine. So it's not that far off what the usual numbers would say. The analysis the Eagles would get out of there. Uh, I thought it was statistical... a trick question. I no, it was, was to be like, but an here's, here's, here's the follow up question that uh, I want you to answer. Of the nine, how many do you think are in the NFC? I don't know. Seven? seven out of the nine and See, all John and i have it. been saying all off season is oh the afc is so much better than the nfc it's really top heavy they got nine un- nine undefeated teams in the uh, seven undefeated teams in the nfc and only two yeah in the afc well
3: i i don't want to let people in on behind the curtain because they might not listen to us jody but let's be honest if aaron Rodgers wasn't hurt the jets would be really good Last night, you see Cleveland. Jets could, Jets could be one and one If Aaron Rodgers, we're just talking about Well, Rodgers, they could so, be.
2: If Aaron Rodgers didn't get hurt, there's a good chance the Jets are one and one anyway. All I'm trying
3: to say, this league's about attrition. You see Nick Chubb last night, horrible injury. I mean, that completely changes things for Cleveland, which I thought was going to be a team better than most people expected. This league's yeah. about injuries, man. And, you know. We, we do the best we can when we try to pick these games. But I, I constantly say, tell me who's healthy. You know, when people say we the play, the play the win and loss game, Marcus, we, whenever the Eagles are playing the Cowboys, who's healthy? That'll, that'll tell you who's, who I'm going to pick in that particular game. Uh, both good teams, obviously. But Dallas looks like world beaters right now take Micah Parsons off that team, you take Tony Pollard off that team, all of a sudden shifts things dr- dramatically. It's it, it's not a cop-out, but health means so much in the NFL. And the Eagles were extremely healthy. And Howie Roseman even said this a couple times in the offseason, Marcus. Mm-hmm. We probably can't count on being that healthy again. He was preparing people. And it's, you know, Avante's a big injury, not as big as some of the other injuries, but... Nikobe Dean, as you mentioned, already out. It's already more attrition this year than last year, at least early. It's not been devastating, but it it could be a troubling trend, to say the least.
7: Well, I will say when um, Landon Dickerson hurt his left or right knee on a tush-push play in New England. No, a tush-push play in um Against uh, oh, who did they play second on Thursday night? Who'd they just Minnesota. Be? I Against Minnesota. Minnesota, and he was fine. And Fletcher Cox hurt his ribs, I think, in the opener. He was yeah. fine. Yeah. But to your point, if either of those injuries is more significant, you know, they're they're a much diminished team. You know, um, the seven NFC team. You know, I'm you know surprised, I guess. It, but your argument is like is a double edged sword, John. Right, the NFC, uh, 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 the NFC stinks. Okay, the teams that are it in the standings
2: yeah. right now—they're dominant over the AFC. Right, but they're not—they're
7: do, not dominant because they beat good teams. They're dominant yeah. because they beat bad teams. Exactly. You, know, you have mediocre teams beating bad teams. You know, if we—if we were talking about three and over four and zero, it would be one thing. But we're talking about you know the Washington Commanders and the New yeah. Orleans Saints. You know. So, you know, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay comes
3: in two and oh, they beat Minnesota now that, you know, most people probably think they lose that game. It was on the road. Mm-hmm. Then they beat Chicago, who's a terrible team. So it's yeah. not like they've been world beaters, but they're two and oh, I don't think uh, it's somebody's, somebody's got to
7: win them. Somebody's got to yeah. win. It's like it's like the uh, you know, when when a player goes to a, a basketball player goes to a mediocre team. You know, somebody's got to get the points and the rebounds. Yeah, me, the player's I say great. that
3: all the time, Marcus. Jody hears me 20 point score on a bad NBA team. That's, oh, somebody's got to, shoot. and I can give yeah. you
7: one.
2: His name's Kelly Oubre, and now he's a 76er. They signed him yeah. last
3: there night. We 20
2: he points on the Charlotte Hornets last year.
7: He ain't getting 20, he ain't getting 20, he ain't getting 10 shots on the on this team. <laughs> Not on this <laughs> team. You
2: are, you are exactly <laughs> right about
7: that. I, th- I think the best example I can remember is, uh, I think his name is Nikola Vucevic. He was a Sixer for a while. Oh yeah, I love Chicago. Nick.
3: I know, yeah. I love Nick.
7: And I'm not, I, he's a wonderful backup four or five who's been starting for years. I think he, yeah. I think he was, it was got All Star votes. He's and, an All Star, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, but
7: yeah. I mean, it's it, it's not laughable because and he's played to his capacity. But he's the perfect example of somebody's got to get those rebounds and somebody's got to take those shots.
2: Marcus, we always love when you come on with us. Thank you very much for doing so today. We'll get you back up again in a couple of weeks. Enjoy, brother. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Marcus Days Philadelphia Inquirer and WIP. You can catch him hosting shows there as well. All right. Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac coming back. Uh, we're going to get Kevin Kincaid from Corsum brought up in about 18 minutes. All right. You want to stay put. Don't go anywhere. Because way I can b- come back, I will annoy Every single Eagle fan that is Ooh, listening to us, right? I
3: like now. this. I like it. I like it.
2: Two I words, like John. And I
3: like it. Two words. Power Index. Oh boy. Oh boy.
2: The power oh boy. In, the ESPN, ESPN.
3: Football power index is football back. Power I would not even
2: it. is back. All right. And Eagle fans will not be happy. I can guarantee you that. Magamac Mac guys coming back here on Birds 365 next.
6: Maggie Mac
2: here with you on Birds 365. I'm going to get the ESPN Power Index in a second. But first, on a question I asked Marcus Hayes, uh, I'll spin off it and ask John McMullen this NFL intra conference. It's intra, right? You're a writer. You know these things. If you're going between one and another, it's intra. If it's within your own conference, it's inter, right?
3: No, our inter in- is out. Intra, intra is
2: in. That's why I asked you because I knew I'd screw it up. Uh, so there have been six inter conference games so far between the AF, A- A- AFC, and the NFC. What do you think the record is? Six and zero. No, but you're close.
3: Five and
2: one.
3: Five right. and one, and you
2: should know who the one is. Who's the one?
3: Um,
2: what's the name it, of this show
3: first 365 yeah but the eagles won the eagles right beat they're the wins.
2: only nfc team to win
3: oh i the thought AFC it was the is
2: five and one i see really five and one in the six in truck i assume game. yeah
3: i assume because everybody was two and oh in the nfc but they're all playing each other yeah um yeah, the AFC is still better. I think that's going to unveil itself as the season goes on. Uh, to put it mildly, um, you know, Kansas City's a good team. They lost. Uh, Buffalo's a good team. They lost. Um, you know, those you know, Baltimore's pretty good team. They're they're undefeated though, right? Miami looks good. Um, they're John, two and oh
2: John, I have to apologize I was wrong it's not five and one it is six and0 oh. the NFC has won every single yeah game. I
3: thought I thought yeah Cowboys
2: yeah. beat the Jets yeah the commanders beat the the Broncos uh the Sam Howell game um the Lions beat the Chiefs opening night the 49ers beat the Steelers the Saints beat the Titans and the Eagles beat the Patriots I was thinking the Patriots won. Hey, well, just, won you know,
3: we know why the Lions won opening night. What was that second game? Give me that second game. That
2: second game uh, was Commanders beat the Raiders. Yeah, that uh, was
3: uh, that was the a Broncos. Hokie game. Uh, so right there, there's two. Um, you say, eh, it's not that
2: 49ers big. over the Saints. 49ers, uh, excuse me, over the Steelers. Saints beat the Titans and Eagles and Patriots. The yeah. NFC, which we said dominating. All season dominating, it's just not as good as the NFC. The AFC just so much better. Six and zero oh, out of the gate. The NFC in the yeah. I'm,
3: I'm I'm trying to. You're going to do the football power index. I'm going to do who who Pro Football Focus says are the best teams. Um Yeah, I kind of trust them above the power football power index. All right, of the top ten teams you have, let's see, two to two, three to three, four to three, five to three, five to four, five five, five five. Five to five. Out, Out of the humanity. top ten. Yeah.
2: Uh, Even though uh, on the field, just in the games between the two conferences, it's been lopsided to the NFC. All right. The NFL Football Power Index, for those who didn't see us debating this last year and screaming and yelling about it, um, any media outlet worth its salt has its own power ratings? Johnny Sports Illustrated, CBS, ESPN, NBC, anybody who does any kind of Uh, significant NFL talk, writing, uh, television. You got to have a power. You have to have Uh, power ratings. And they're all
3: meaningless, by the way. They are. Yes, we all have them. Absolutely
2: meaningless, but yet everybody, everybody does them. And ESPN has their own power ratings. Where they poll their best football insiders. I don't even... Do
3: yeah. Do you know how they do it? I don't know how... I thought it was more of an analytical thing. No, no. But I don't they know. They have...
2: It. ESPN has two different power ratings. Oh. They have their, quote-unquote, power ratings, which is a compilation of a bunch of guys that cover the NFL for them, and they uh, take their votes, and they add them all up, and they yeah, go from there. The, the, the,
3: the FPI, though, is the analytics one. Right?
2: Correct. The yeah. FPI is the Football Power Index, which they say they put statistics into a computer and yeah. play game simulations 10,000 times to justify how their statistics work. Well, here is the new power index after week two of the National Football League. The number one team is the Dallas Cowboys. They are the top. They're always team.
3: number one, but this time they should be number one. Here's, here's, but estimate.
2: here's here's where you're wrong, John. You know what number they were last week? They did it after the first week. They do it every week. They have to rank after one, and then it changes every single week. You know what number the Cowboys were last week? Um, I do not. They were 10th. 10th? Because they beat up on Zach Wilson. The Cowboys jumped from number 10 to number one, they were. Is
3: that is that more disrespect to Daniel Jones and the Giants than uh, what, what, what? How could they be number ten? They were the they most were impressive 10 last team last week, and they jumped to no, number one. I, I don't get
2: this. Thing. Here's another one you're not going to get. Number two is the Buffalo Bills. No, Before the season on. started, the Buffalo Bills were number two. When I they mean. lost their opener to the Jets without Aaron Rodgers. They stayed at number two, and this week, they go out and win by 20-some-odd points, blow out the Raiders, and they're still number two. They haven't moved. They've been two all along, and for whatever reason, after they put all their stats into their computers, the Buffalo Bills are still number two. The Kansas City Chiefs were number one, dropped to number two. Awful win. They didn't drop off the uh, off losing the first game. They were number one to start. They stayed at number one. They win this week, and they drop down to number three. Again, how did they do this? It doesn't make any sense. The San Francisco 49ers were number f- uh, one, two, three, four. They were number five. They moved up one to number four. The Miami Dolphins were number six. They moved up to number five. The Baltimore Ravens were number eight. They moved up to number six. And coming down three slots from number four down to number seven after beating up the Minnesota Vikings, your Philadelphia Eagles went from they were number four, now down to number seven off a win against the Vi- I guess they didn't like DeAndre Swift's 175 yards, John. Because they well, dropped I'm, the I'm, three I'm,
3: slots I'm, I'm, in the computer rankings. Now, to be fair, I have no idea. I'm I'm assuming it's stats related, and they gave up a ton of yardage, a ton of garbage time touchdowns. You know, it was what? The, the game was – they were up 20, and they only won by uh, six. Um, they gave up a lot of – classic Kirk cousins, garbage time yards. And they, you know, he threw for three sixty four and four touchdowns. So you put that in the computer and this is why analytics sucks. You put that in the computer and it just comes out. Oh, they're giving up yardage again. You know, you got to look at the context of games. I can't get worried about stuff like that. And after two weeks, it's a small sample size. So you see these, You know, it will start to adjust itself as you go through. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Buffalo obviously starts at a higher spot. Kansas City starts at a higher spot. Like, they disrespected Miami, and Miami's been great through the first Do I think they're one of the two best teams. I think Dallas and Miami have looked the best. I'd probably put Dallas one, Miami two. San
2: Francisco's look pretty good.
3: Uh, San Francisco probably be three in my mind. Um, but but Dallas-Miami would be one, too. I don't think Miami's going to be two. I think Dallas has a really good team. But I think Miami's played really well early. Do I think it's going to continue? Probably not. Uh, but if you're doing these goofy power rankings, the Eagles haven't been impressive. We talk all about style points, style points. They get no style points, but that doesn't matter. It's not... A bunch of idiots in a boardroom, like college football. Or I can get Kevin Kincaid to say, who's the best team? And you got to get me uh, style points. Eagles haven't had any style points over the first two weeks, by and large.
2: And do you know who the Eagles are just in front of at number, the Eagles are seven, who is at number eight? The Los Angeles Chargers, who are 0-2. Talk about no style points. They don't have a win. Oh. More important than style mm. they don't have style points and they don't have a W. Yeah. But but they got a lot of numbers. On the reputation of Justin Herbert. They lose this week. They can be 0-3. And, and they give you all these numbers. Well, the up good up. news cool. is
3: they're playing Minnesota, so they're probably gonna win. But uh yeah, you know, those are both teams that put up big numbers and find ways to lose games. So it's gonna be an interesting matchup
2: and oh, somebody's way, got away one, one of them's going 0 and three and uh, they both made the playoffs last year you go to 0 and three there's the whole only 10 percent of the teams that make it starting 0 and two you go in 0 and three that number drops precipitously thereafter which means one of those two teams is probably dead in the water coming up this week i right, on mcdonald we are Mac and mack and birds 365 we see that we have kevin kincaid Already in the grain room, ready to rock and roll. He of Crossing Broad is gonna jump on with us next here on Birch 365.
4: Go to get your game on, go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
5: At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving up and good play calling along the way. First goal at the six. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
6: On three. One, two, three. Because
5: Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
2: Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling.
6: Asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now.
4: Soganow
2: helps kids in under resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most.
6: When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all
4: about you at
6: Appreciate
2: you streaming in here on Birds 365 to Mac and Mac. We're lucky enough to get Kevin Kincaid, lead writer and editor of Crossing Broad, who every morning when I get up, Bird 365, I go to my Eagles websites, uh, Bleeding Green Nation, Eagles Wire, Inside the Eagles. Oh, I got to go to Crossing Broad, too, even though it isn't an Eagle-centric website, case. In case Kincaid's got an opinion on the Philadelphia Eagles, he's here to share them with us for the next 15, 20, 25 minutes. KK, how'd your summer go? Been a minute since we had you on.
1: Yeah, no, it was good. Thank you for having me. <clears throat> I'm sorry if I sound or look haggard. I, uh, my Both of my kids are back in uh, preschool now. Uh-oh. So we got the... Uh, got some germs. <laughs> I, I, I hear something. some, uh, yeah. Yeah, we got the preschool funk going around already. So <laughs> even, uh, it's, like germ, it's like a germ factory in there, man. You know, geez. I like it. You're pushing through, though, man. God, my that mom was a lot. No, yeah. real quick. My mom was a teacher, and she would always say that she, that she never got sick because she had, like, super immunity. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Pulled up from being be, being around, like, the eighth graders all the time. So <laughs> I always used to think that was, that was like – uh fake but now i now i now i understand it's very yeah, but
2: she uh, didn't pass that dna on to you yeah. what's wrong with your mom do you no, gotta get that to kk
1: i know it's nature versus
3: nurture i could have yeah. used uh, some some of that you know you could use that yeah teachers created that uh i don't want to give them a free plug what is that those orange sort of tabs i i buy into that the vitamin c that vitamin c oh, like
1: the like the emergency yeah or whatever. Em- yeah whatever the <laughs> hell yeah no yeah take your uh your emergency and your daily vitamin <laughs> your your two, two-year-old giving you, like, the plague from, uh, you know, Chesterbrook Academy, you'll, you'll find a way to survive, you know? So.
2: All right, here's, here's a football-related question, not Eagles-related, football-related, uh, but it's right up your alley, the kind of stuff you guys put out there on Crossing Broad. I had a call on WIP last night who shamed – firstly, shamed the announcers, and I tried to explain it to him. It has nothing to do with the announcers, Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman. But then he, sh- he shifted his blame to Disney because they were the ones broadcasting it. Shamed them for not showing a replay of Nick Chubb's injury. He said, I should have the chance to see it if I want, and they should give me a, a heads up if I want to turn away because of the gross, grotesque aspect of the injury. That mm. ESPN made a judgment call, an editorial call, to not show the replay. And I had no problems with it because if you want to see it, they have this great thing called the internet. You can go find it in about 20 seconds. If you need to see it again and again and again and again, because that's your bent. Okay, fine. What would be the crossing broad stance on that? Should ESPN have showed a replay of the injury of uh, Nick Chubb's leg going in a direction it's not physically meant to go? Um,
1: Well, you used the term... In the question, you said judgment call. That's all these are. I mean, there's no playbook for what a broadcaster is supposed to do in those kinds of situations. You know, um yeah. I think if you're going to do something like that, you could certainly justify it by saying, "Hey, we want to give you a like a warning here. You know, we're going to replay it, and you know, if you don't want to, if you're squeamish, look away, or you know, give a." A disclaimer of sorts and you can say hey this is pretty graphic you know if you want to look away look away and you could do it that way but i think they just err on the side of caution you know and like (laughs) try to take the safest route that's what we did at channel three man i mean like we would just take the safest route and be like you know if you're gonna if you think you're gonna upset somebody or offend somebody don't do it i think at crossing broad we probably would have Show right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because it's a different brand. It's a different type yeah. of uh, approach. But I, think I love the. the I,
3: I. I. I love the entitlement from Jody's caller. I just. Des- I. I. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, that's what he said. Right. He, he I. He said deserve. he was being lectured by Joe Buck and Troy Aikman,
2: which yeah, I tried to yeah. explain to him. Listen, they're not making the call. Someone in a truck somewhere is yeah. on the phone yeah. with a major Disney executive who's making that call. It's not Joe Buck and Troy Aikman going,
7: yeah.
2: I'm di- dictating that we're not going to show you the play. Yeah. And the guy came off as really a really- That comes
1: character. from way up. I mean, because they have a director who sits in the truck, and the director yeah, is the one who brings up the brings up the cameras and pushes the button. But it's a producer who's sitting behind him who does the editorial judgment call and says, hey, if, you know, I think we should stay away from- doing that. Yeah, there's no right or wrong. There's no playbook for that. I mean, in journalism school, they don't teach you that one way or another. You pay all this money to sit there in class and then they say, "Well, it could be this or it could be that," you know? So it's like, uh, you know, everything's an individual. I think it's if you, you just give them the if you give yeah. them the disclaimer, you're fine though. I mean, I yeah. think that's what you have to pair it with
3: um now you you mentioned you're fighting something the super bug going through the preschool now mm-hmm. are you fighting through this no style points from the eagles kevin for two <laughs> weeks i mean that's tough to take no style. yeah
1: um well i mean style points mean don't mean much after two weeks they mean more at the end of the season i guess you know but uh if, you know again this is not um This is not Penn State, you know, scoring in the final seconds against my guys, you know, to win 38 to 13 instead of 31 to 13. You know, I mean, it's it's more I I think like wins are wins in the NFL. I think style points are much more of a college football kind of thing. I I think the biggest takeaway from from that game on Thursday
3: night was that. the And by the way, they're valuable in college football because you have to impress people. You have to impress people in the boardroom. You know, because there's no. Yeah. There's, There's an arbitrary
1: no nature to all of the yeah. playoff stuff. You know, I mean, like you're fighting, you have to put your resume up against other people's resume. And yeah. in the in the NFL, you get into the playoffs, you get into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So the win-loss is the only thing that matters. But my biggest takeaway from the other night was just, you know, they've the defense gives them a certain thing. So you say, All right, we're gonna take it and we're gonna run the ball down your throat. You know, and I I, th- I think people are trying to this week people are trying to get a gr- get a grip of, you know, trying to trying to parse, you know, these two ideas and put them put them together is hey, the passing game doesn't look like it should right now. But also, they gave you the running game. So you just, you know, force the ball down the middle and um that's that's just see, I, I think it's smart because it's like you you just take what you're given. Man, that's not that's not that's Captain Obvious. Yeah, thing. I liked it. I
3: said Brian, I give Brian Johnson a lot of credit. He's like, All right, you're gonna play like boxes, inside zone, inside zone. They never stop it. I'm gonna keep running it. Yeah. Um I think it's smart, but a lot of people want that yardage. And I said, look at the other side. Kirk Cousins ends up with 364. And four touchdowns, I think, was the Pono numbers. You know,
1: loss. Yeah. Who cares? Yes. But you know it's fun funny, John, is like aren't we a isn't this a running the football town?
3: It did typically
1: until okay. you know So until, they ran the ball they ran for two hundred seven yards. Yeah. Now we now we want them to throw. Not Man, they want,
3: they want it all, Kevin. They
1: want well, they all. do. I mean, that, that's, that's, impo- yeah, we want a sack on every play and we want to yeah. run the ball down their throat. But I'll give you a statistic that'll, that'll help assuage people, perhaps. There are only four running backs in the NFL that have at least 15 carries and a YPC number of six. They are DeAndre Swift, who only got one carry in the first game. Right. Yeah. Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey. And Bijan Robinson, yeah,
2: that's pretty good company. Yeah. And by the way,
3: if you get Boston Scott up to that number, he'd be over that because I think he averaged eight yards a carry before he got a <laughs>
1: concussion. If he was a qualify, yeah,
3: if he could yeah. qualify
1: for it, that's so, yeah.
3: funny. Yeah, because you talk about you know the
1: Eagles fans who you know loved Buddy Ryan and the Forty Six defense and all that stuff. They were always yelling there for Andy Reid to run the ball. Oh yeah, yeah. now oh, they're yeah. now they're running the ball now. But now we're concerned about the passing game. I don't know. Yeah.
2: I, I think that the "quote-unquote" eagle fan, and again speaking with a very broad brush stroke mm-hmm. and generality, has come along with the times on offense. In defense, they're still mired in the past. It's got to be all about aggression and blitzing. And yeah, yeah. for some reason, the offensive uh, gurus in this town have uh, moved more quickly than defense one has. Uh, you talked about the running game. Are we destined to see DeAndre Swift go down with an injury this week? Because Nick Chubb, yeah, ugly leg, bent, done, season over. Uh, Barkley, sprain, significant ankle sprain, might be high. They haven't determined yet, going to miss week. Austin Eckler, time frame to return, nobody knows anything. All those guys who are fighting to get paid this offseason, they're all hurt already. Is DeAndre Swift, who's going to be a free agent at the end of the season, by the way, is he destined to get hurt this week? Am I now putting the kibosh on his season uh, by mentioning the fact that it's trending to every single running back of conf- consequence going down with an injury?
1: Well, that's a very gloomy and negative
8: yeah, question. Thank yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. So wow, nobody's whoa, got to do it. Whoa. might as well be me, not you.
2: <laughs> Kincaid, nobody ever uh, complains about you for that. So I'll, I'll take oh. the hit on that one. He's yeah. going down and he's going down hard.
1: If I was Nostradamus, I could give you an answer, but I think it would, I think if we're playing the numbers game, like surely we've got all our running back injuries out of the way now. Right. I mean, oh, it, can't, it, can't, it can't happen, very again. Good. <laughs> it can't good happen good again by UKK. I but like it. But doesn't it, doesn't this kind of prove the, or I mean, I hate the fact that i am been saying this, but doesn't this kind of help the the f- idea of not paying running backs, you know, Gosh. not giving them these big contracts yeah, yeah. And, and whatnot. I like, I hate that because these guys deserve to be paid and, and, You know, they put their bodies on the line, but, you know, you pay pay a guy and then he goes down injured. It's like, look at all the Saquon stuff. I mean, the Saquon stuff is a perfect case study for, you know, paying running backs or not paying running backs. And injury uh, proneness is not a word, or maybe it is. But, you know, how injury. Why not? Uh, Okay. Well, you know, we're just making up words on here. But, yeah, just, uh, I don't know. It's like, uh, I mean, look at like Rashad Penny, too. I mean, the only reason he gets in is because the – you know, the Eagles go down to running backs and, yeah, you know, in two weeks. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's, maybe that's saying like, hey, you should have a, you know, a committee thing. You should do like the three headed monster, the four headed monster for considering Jalen Hurts, a one head of the Hydra, you know? So, um, yeah, fascinating like stuff to help back up these, these larger discussions we have about whether you should pay running backs and how much value there is in the position.
3: Um, uh, I'm, I'm not going to go down the dark route, Kevin, of Jody projecting <laughs> injuries. I'm going to talk about injuries that have happened with Abonte Maddox. Now, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. now Nick Sirianni said, I'm comfortable with in-house options. Well, it just came over when you were talking. Uh, Jordan Schultz, give him the credit. The Eagles are looking at William Jackson today, the former first-round pick. Uh, corner who can play in the slot. Hmm. Um, two two things. One, are you can how concerned are you with the, with the slot corner position because they also lost Zach McPherson. Yeah. And what's up with Nick Sirianni blatantly just lying left and right? Whether it's dust ups on the sideline, is he going to corral that a little bit? Or I'm happy with the in house option. William Jackson shows up tomorrow, or is Howie just not letting them in? Where's the Kevin Kincaid thought process? I think Sirianni
1: that? has reached like year three of the NFL where he just doesn't really care anymore. Like he's just gonna say whatever he wants to say and just get through the press conferences and show a little bit more anger and emotion, you know. Maybe it's a little bit of the Italian coming out in him. I feel like I can say that because I'm Italian.
2: Yes. Um, oh yeah.
1: Yeah. But uh <laughs> here's here's an interesting question. Is it is it do you lose it to say like people talking about like put James Bradbury in the slot, right? This hypothetical, right? Do you gain... The gain of moving him inside, is that worth the loss of taking him off the no. outside?
3: No. He's an all-pro outside corner.
1: Well, it's right.
3: absurd to me to even think about it
1: think so about you just so you go next man up i just, i have ptsd from the josiah scott thing last year you know and like avante maddox going out at the cowboys game which by the way i think they would have won if he had stayed on the field i don't know if that's a hot take but he was playing really really well in that yeah, he was game. playing really well in that game and, and I just yeah again you're you're weighing the risk reward like I, I don't like moving guys out of their best positions just to, to cover somewhere else so if you don't like what you have there sign somebody yeah, you know, I got no problem with that. I mean, that's 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 pretty critical because they haven't name one guy besides Avante Maddox that the Eagles have had since Patrick Robinson,
3: who's been a good slot defender. Yeah, it would be Patrick. Patrick yeah. had I, that great, great season after yeah. the worst training camp I've ever seen. It was the weirdest <laughs> turnaround.
1: So um, in the last six years, they've had two good slot corners.
3: Yeah. But Avante's yeah. been around, he just gets hurt every year. Right. But when he's out there, very good very yeah, good slot corner
2: does put them in a uh, precarious position. And I think the reason why, Howie will look outside is he's done for the year. And Nick wouldn't say that yeah. yesterday, but everyone knows if you have pec surgery, you're done for six That's months. So it, it's going to take him out for the year. Yeah. If it was just another couple of weeks or to be determined, he'd be elevating guys from the practice squad, playing the practice squad game of elevating guys X amount of times before you have to release them. I don't know, like Mr. Sipas, we hardly knew ye. And he's no, gone and he's done. Uh, Johnny Mack brought it up again today and it's legit. He seemed to have this very good symbiotic relationship with Jake Elliott as his holder. Mm-hmm. And Elliott has been arguably the best kicker in the NFL, not named uh, the, the guy from Baltimore. Um, why am I talking
3: about
2: <clears throat> Just phenomenal. All, to- all time, maybe the greatest kicker of all time. Jake Elliott, number two in the league, uh we gonna miss Aaron C Buss and his holding ability. Is that what it's come to, Kevin? <laughs>
1: oh god, I've never heard I've never heard that before. Are there uh, any oh you yeah. gotta listen we to get, you, you got
2: John McMullen on Bird hey, Street man. sixty-five more often?
3: We get we get we got two hours every day, Kevin. We gotta get down deep, <laughs> yeah. deep. Well, into the I
1: know you love analytics. Do you have any advanced analytics to back up his holding capability? No, I just
3: covered Blair Walsh, I tell the story all the time. and, <laughs> He was an all pro kicker as a, as a rookie, all pro. He was the best kicker in the NFL and they changed his holder. The next year, he was never the same, never Mm -hmm. the same. So it's, you know, it's a small sample size.
1: There's an old saying in sports that works for any sport where if you don't talk about a guy, then that means he's doing a good job. Right. I mean, when's the last time we talked, anybody said anything about Rick
3: Lovato? Nope. Only time you talk about the long snapper is a bad snap. They that never, stop. ever yeah. even notice them. Talk about them, anything.
1: So do yeah. they? So here's the answer. Do they carry two punters on the roster? No one, shot. Just a, one, no, just no,
2: no, no, <laughs> no. No. and Those one 53 just... man spots on the Eagles. The roster spots way too valuable. Well, yeah. and it's
3: not. It's not even about the holder because I've I, I've told it, it. Jake Elliott missed one kick in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And Baltimore 46 yarder. It wasn't easy, but it wasn't difficult for him. Ty Zettner was holding. I looked at that damn thing ten times, Kevin. It's perfect yeah. hold. Perfect yeah. hold. You just yeah. missed it. Um was that kickers are kickers are strange creatures. They're they're they get in their heads. You see it all over the league. Mm-hmm. It's like golfers who lose their swing. It's mental. Um, yeah it's a yeah, mental it's
1: thing everybody's got all the physical tools i mean let's not act like, like every kicker now can bang one in from 60 yards you know right if you know the, yeah it's kind of amazing how the, if the conditions are right yeah of course yeah. you know I, I thought it was funny too how in new england like he misses the extra point i think it was still rainy in the first half but as he got prog- progressively further and further back they became easier you know <laughs> so i was like stop stop thinking about it and you know, single-doinked the one and then hit from 56 or whatever. Does Jake – do you think people – do Do you think the Eagles fans realize how good they have it with Jake Elliott?
2: No. I think they absolutely take him for granted. Yeah. He yeah. is uh, as good as he is. And it's just like, oh, Jake, he's cool. of course he's going to make this – 58 yard yeah, field
3: 61 yeah. like 61, i mean so, 61
1: yeah. we've been we've been blessed with good i mean outside of those two or three years of whatever of cody parkey and alex henry and caleb sturgis yeah they that they, they're bookend the last 20 years are bookended by jake Elliott and, and uh david acres you know so i mean philly fans have seen a lot of Crap over the last twenty years, but the kicking has not necessarily been been one of those things. You know, we
2: may get into the weeds on a daily basis here on Birds Three Sixty Five, but that's the first time in a year that Caleb Sturgis's name has yeah, been brought up. Caleb. There you go. Yeah, we appreciate you for
0: adding it for joining us in the weeds, <laughs> nice. Kevin. Kikai. It was the Thanks Caleb Sturgis,
3: nice. uh, <laughs> Caleb Sturgis injury that got Jake Elliott here. They signed right, Jake yeah. Elliott off the Bengals <laughs> practice squad. The Bengals okay. actually drafted jake elliott and he's he a draft pick yeah and yeah. he lost out to randy bullock big mistake by cincinnati See, this is good kicker knowledge out yeah, of job well, you don't you don't get this kind of yeah. kicker knowledge. i've I, I, I,
2: I, <laughs> I forgotten caleb sturgis existed that he ever lived yeah. so i'm learning a ton here on birds 360
1: right, that's yeah. can i ask you guys a question sure.
3: yeah knock yourself you, out
1: uh, you know it's fascinating to me because i watch uh my, my team's a Big 12 team, but even before we joined the Big 12 and we were playing in the Big East, we ran some version of that like three, you know, three, three, five like stack, you know, where you had like the hybrid safety linebacker or whatever, and they kind of show different looks. The Vikings rushed three. Oh, it,
3: it, it, I love Brian Flores. That's, I, I it, love the guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was just like, you know, it was funny to me because I, I, I'm laughing because I know that Jalen saw a ton of that in his year with Oklahoma, right? Because that's all the big 12 was. It was like rush three and we're going to drop eight. And we're going to try to give you nobody to throw to. But like uh, on those cases, like you really got to watch the all 22, you know, because you, you got to see like if anybody's open, like what the routes look like. Does he have a safety valve? Is there anybody to dump dump the ball off to? On first watch that game, it looked like he did a really poor job. With the, with the three-man rush. And I don't think the offensive line did a great job either. I mean, because you, you're they're only sending three guys. I mean, two guys are going to be double teamed, but the third guy is going to have a one-on-one. And, like, I felt like those pockets should have held up a little better. Jalen could have at least, like, skirted to the right or the left, tried to extend the play or something. I thought they could have done better with that. Did you guys notice
3: that when you are watching? I, I thought they struggled early because, he that you know, he leads the league. It's only two games, but I'm talking about Flores. He leads the league in blitz uh, percentage. So he blitzes more than anybody else. And he's also leads the league in what you're talking about. Uh, three man rushes with eight man drops. Same yeah. team. It's freaking yeah. bizarre. He's a he's a weirdo. Yeah. I, I think it works early in games. And same thing happened to them against Tampa. Baker Mayfield was like a mess early. And then by the second half, he's like, all right, I get it. And he goes right down the field, wins game. game. Um, you know, but he doesn't have a lot of talent. I love the innovation of the guy. He throws yeah. things, but that's why I'm not concerned about Jalen. You're not going to see that. Nobody else is going to roll that out there. It's going to be more conventional and he's going to settle down. So I'm not too concerned about it because it's such an outlier, the way he plays. But yeah, yeah, yeah. he
2: was confused. He was I'll confused. tell you what, John, it's a good thing that DeAndre Swift ran for 175 yards because if he didn't, you would see more of that coming forward. Teams would go, hey, this worked. This is such a copycat league. Even if it goes against their general philosophy, you can stop the Eagles with just a three-man front and drop a nine. Oh, you'd see see a bunch of it. Yeah, probably. The Eagles had the the right answer. We're going to run it down your throats. And they did just that, and they won the football game. So kudos to... All right, so that's the next question, because Marcus gave me a surprising answer on this. He suggested or hinted at that Nick Sirianni was the one who in-game told Brian Johnson, let's run the football down their throat. So he said he spoke to the offensive lineman and they gave him the side eye afterwards. And they said, yeah, we kind of knew we were going to be running the football as much as they did. Hmm. Are we going to not give Brian Johnson the credit for making that call to say, hey, we're not moving the football. We know we can run it. Let's just run it. Uh, You got a a feeling on if there was a mover, main mover and shaker on the Eagles successfully deciding to switch over to the running game? Who made that
1: call? Uh, Well, I mean, without being on the sidelines, I would say that, you know, hypothetically, when you have a new coordinator in there, at least early on, the head coach is probably going to be more involved, right? before they then detach themselves and say, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. We're comfortable with it. I would think that Sirianni's involvement would be heavier to begin with, and then he would relax it, right? You know, it's like, you're not. It's not like right. Shane, yeah, it's not like Shane Steichen where it's like, you got the keys to the car, man. I've seen what you can do. I trust you. Like, maybe there's going to be some training wheels with Brian Johnson to begin with for sure. So Sirianni's probably paying closer attention to that. Maybe he's got to hold his hand a little bit. You know, what other cliche can I use here? Training wheels, hand holding, uh, <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? I mean that that would be at least my macro level thought is that he's yes he's probably going to be a little bit more involved. It's like when you hire and if we bring in a new employee or something, like my management style is just to like be hands off. Like I don't, I pagan I'm, Kyle pagan will just go somewhere and do like a video and then he'll be like, hey, we're going here. Okay, no problem because I'm hands off and like I know that he knows what he's doing and that I trust them or whatever. But if we bring somebody new in, like yeah, you got to help them along a little bit and then you and then you back off. You know, so I could see that certainly being the case. Sirianni may, may be coming in there saying like, all right, hey, this is what we're, we're they're doing. Let's switch to this. And then they start running the ball and he backs off. So, yeah, it's certainly plausible.
3: Um, I want to use the Sirianni scale. We asked Marcus this as well. So I'll ask you, um, two of ten, he called the Jalen Hurts dust up with A.J. Brown, a two out of a ten. Mm-hmm. Um I kind of look at the way they handled it after the game. Um, they they the locker room didn't open for a while. It was like a loss versus a win. Typically, when when you lose, it takes a little bit longer for them to open up the locker room. I haven't lost much recently, but uh, when you win, that things open up right away. Everybody's celebrating. Everybody's happy. It was like a it was like a loss. And then he claimed at the post-game press conference. I don't know, even though everybody saw him talking to the two, mm-hmm. that he had to sort of ease up a little bit.
1: Um, well, that's where the PR staff, <clears throat> real quick, but when they prep him for going in there, somebody from the PR staff should pull him aside real quick and yeah. say, hey, you, you were shown on television. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, but he should have known he didn't know that until I think it was Tim, Tim McManus, who said, Hey, you're on TV. <laughs> right. Right. So, so you kind of catch him off guard and he's like, Oh, well, I, guess, yeah. I go yeah. guess, guess I gotta talk about it a little bit. I thought Jalen Hurts handled it tremendously. AJ mm-hmm. Brown left the locker room. Typically, AJ's not a guy who doesn't talk to the media. I don't know. I got to feel like it's more than a two out of ten. Um, your thoughts on 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 the dust up?
1: Well, did them? we decide whether it was more AJ Brown's frustration with not getting the ball or Jalen's larger level not being able to navigate that drop? Eight. Well, we
3: haven't talked and we haven't talked to AJ yet. AJ hasn't talked yet. But so. uh, the the thought is, and DeMonte kind of did the same thing. He was like. At first, he said, "What are you talking about?" And then he kind of eased up a little bit and said, "He's just being competitive." And by the way, that's what I think it is. Um, He's just being competitive, but I think they handled it poorly. So what I what I point out, Kevin, excuse me, is I think it shows they're a little bit too tightly wound right now. They're too. They are cognizant of what's going on outside Mm -hmm. because all you do he's he's a receiver i talk about it all the time receivers want the football yeah we've seen it a million times in every city good receivers want the football it's not that big of a deal but they they sort of made it into a bigger deal
1: well you come out with your game plan you adjust your game plan and you run the ball down their throats because that's what the defense is giving you but doesn't necessarily mean that's what the offense wanted to do, or yeah. AJ Brown yeah. just do, what's he gonna do? Just stand there, do do some blocking, run a bunch of dummy routes while DeAndre Swift runs for 175. You know, just because that's what the defense gives you and what's working doesn't mean that everybody's gonna like it. Like, of course he wants to be involved. I think what I would do today, maybe I will do this today. That happened at the end of the third quarter i guess is that when that was filmed the or when they showed it on the the tv yeah, mid, right? mid to late like third if i remember correctly okay so i'll go back and look at the all 22 from those five or six plays from that last drive leading up to that like at the end of the third and you can look for clues and you can see if you see frustration in the body language or him putting his hand up or jalen not seeing something in the in the you know the three-man rush or whatever and because i would be i would be more Like, if I had to guess, it would be like, hey, here's what they're showing us defensively. This is where you need to go, and this is where I'm going to be. What are our zone beaters? You know, what's our shallow stuff? Where's our release? You know, what's our safety valve here? I think it's probably a combination of the two things. Yeah, he wants the ball, but like, hey, this is where I'm going to have to get the ball and where you're going to have to go based on what they're showing us, you know? So I think we go back and look at it and see if we can find some clues about it. It's impossible to parse that looking at the condensed game film. Like, you have to have the the coach's film of that to see what was there. I was even, I was just looking at it the other day and there was one instance, for example, where they had like two guys who were running like AJ Brown, Devontae Smith are on like the left side or whatever. And they both ran deep kind of slow developing-ish routes. I think one was a go and one was like a deep, post or something like that. And by the time they even got into their breaks, like Jalen was flushed, you know, and he had nowhere to go with it. So it's like, you you gotta, it's why we need these like pro football focused guys to say like, how many times did he even have open receivers or how many times was he, did he even have enough time to get rid of, I mean, were the route concepts even there, like, does he even have anywhere?
3: Yeah. I love when people look at, Oh, uh, certain. So it'd be, you know, the progression is AJ and then maybe Dallas and Devontae's wide open on the other side of the field. Yeah. How does Jalen Hurts not see that? Well, his progression is on this side. You can't
1: even get most of the yeah. time, you can you don't get through all your this is what people yeah. don't understand. It's like you don't right. I, I had the pleasure of working with Beasley Reese at channel three for a long time. Yeah. And he was a defensive back, and he would say, you know, sometimes a quarterback can't even get through all their progressions before they got a flee or make a move or whatever, right? I yeah. mean, and you're not you're not the condition to go like here's read one, here's read two, and here's read three. They're all bunched together. Read one and read two are right there. Yep. Yep. And then, and then you make, you may not even get back to the other side of the field. So it's, that's not how it works that they're all like, they're all built in so that it's within your, like your peripheral, you know what I mean? It's not, you're not like at a tennis match, like looking at different receivers. I mean, by that time you're flat on your back, you know, but you can look at the route concepts and things like that on the all 22 and say like, Hey, does this make sense? Does he have anywhere to go underneath? I mean, some of the times he didn't even have that. Yeah. All right, since you are a film devotee, as you've just proved to us. Uh, I wouldn't say that too.
2: <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm giving you that status because it's, uh, level. i going to play into my final question. I-, I can't even call it a hot take. I would say it's a tepid take because I've heard nobody else go down this road that I've gone. Uh, and I started uh, before Sunday's games, and I'm certainly going to say it again last night because it showed itself to me. On the final play of the Steelers-Browns last night, KK, have you in the tape that you've been watching, the games that you've been watching, noticing that they're letting the defensive backs play this year? That they're not just throwing a flag for pass interference, shooting the Eagle-Viking game, the one that the the D-back just grabbed AJ's arm. It was a blatant pass interference. They didn't call it. And every Eagle fan noticed that. They kind of skipped over the two pass interference that the Eagle defensive backs had on Viking wide receivers because that didn't go the Eagles' way. But I'm seeing a lot of D-backs getting there, making contact over a guy's back before the ball actually gets there. And not only are the referees not calling it, but the referees in the booth are in on it too, going, "Oh no, they're looking at it in real time." So you got to really judge it in real time no we don't you have slow motion instant replay you go back and show me it whether it was or wasn't pass interference i think it's it's uh, uh, uh something that's come down from the highest offices at three four five madison yeah. avenue that this is a directive from the nfl we need to let our defensive backs play a little bit you seeing the same thing I'm seeing or am I out there on an island by
1: myself no, there, have, there have I have noticed a lot of that where I'm saying that could certainly be a flag and that could certainly be a flag it's interesting because normally when they have a rule change or they emphasize something or they de-emphasize no. something they will announce that and they'll say hey they we're did not to no. yeah and they did not no. It's like when you're when you're if you're playing a video game or something they change something quietly without telling you and then all of a sudden you're like oh this seems Different, you know, Um, but I mean, I think we would all probably. I guess the question, right, is like, is that a good thing or a bad thing?
3: I mean, I, I would prefer to see fewer. I would always prefer to see fewer. Yeah, flies. I think yep. it's a good thing. But yeah. here's why I disagree with Jody: they're not helping the defense ever. You know, they're not well, right I because mean, that's not. Yeah, not, I mean, to me, to it, it comes teams. down yeah. to me and at Kevin underscore Kincaid. Make sure you follow Kevin on Twitter X. If you prefer, yes. Follow me on X. Yes. X. C- Crossingbroad. dot <laughs> uh, The grand poopa over there. My <laughs> my thought. Pro- bad calls. Hey, I've been covering this league for twenty five years, Kevin. It's mm-hmm. ingrained in my psyche now. I've heard every coach say, "Control what you can control." That's why mm-hmm. I never complain about officials. I don't complain. I'll talk about blown calls. I'll say, "That's a blown call. That's a blown call." Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say, you know, they should do this. They should have full-time officials, but I'm not complaining about officials. They're human beings. They're going to blow calls. They blow calls. I was Sometimes a ref. It helps. Sometimes <clears throat> it hurts.
1: I was a ref. I got yelled at more in those eight months than I've ever been yelled at in my entire life. You know? <laughs> <So it's> like, <laughs> mostly by the parents too. Yeah. Um, next time I come on, I'll tell you the story about how we had to break up a fight in the stands between parents too. It's a good oh um but yeah i mean no back to the point i just uh, like i said it's it's i think you make a, I, I think you're on the right track there because yes it's counterintuitive to think that every like almost every rule change over the last x amount of years has benefited the offense you know or protected quarterbacks or something like that the defense does need to be thrown a bone at some point you know maybe jody's right maybe they you know i hope
3: they do do, do it, it do i it. hope jody is right Very i hope quietly. they throw the defense a bone yeah. i hope they do but. just
1: just like and
2: I, I i don't know if i said it here i know I said it somewhere. No one will go on the record and say there was an edict from Major League Baseball this year. Listen, if you can any way, shape, or form call a base hit, call a base hit. Don't call it an error. I know what I see with my own two eyes. There are errors everywhere every night, and they're judging them as base hits. But no one will come up with the email, the deep throat email from Major League Baseball going, call hits, call hits, call hits. We all know that it happened. I'm (laughs) telling you, that's the case in the uh, National
1: Football League. You and Anthony Sanfilippo should do a side podcast on that. You guys would get so angry and so worried. Sanfilippo
2: was the guy who pointed it out to me before anybody else. (laughs) God damn it, he's right. I see all these, how can they call them errors? Yeah. I give Anthony a lot of credit for that. Uh, we give you credit when you jump in with us too, KK. You know we love you. We'll get All you right. back.
3: Get some room. emergency Thanks, going there, Kevin. Yeah, get we'll some get vitamin some vitamins and we'll uh we'll yeah.
6: knock
1: this out of here. Right? Yeah. All hey,
3: right, All right, buddy. Get, get a little senior. something to that coffee, whatever it needs to
2: be. Uh Kevin KK, crossing broad here with some Birds 365. All right, gotta come back, put a ball on the show. Stay right here on Birds 365. guys here on birds 365 we want to thank both uh, kevin Kincaid and marcus a for jumping in both guys were uh, both good and fun today appreciate them playing along with our silly reindeer games um
3: J Mac, nothing again today, right?
2: Eagles, even in the house. No, no meeting nothing today.
3: Nothing. Uh, coordinators tomorrow. And then everything's pushed back a day because Monday nights, uh, the big practice Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the, uh, limited practice. Then they're down to Tampa, uh, Monday night football. And we'll see if William Jackson is out there by Thursday because, uh, Yeah, I mean, that's a former first-round pick, played a lot of football, Um, more of a slot guy, Um, 30 years old. Um, Is he better than what they have? Probably, if he's got anything left.
2: And if 30 sounds old, remember who the Eagles brought in on the defensive line last year and not not spring chickens uh, when they needed help from outside the organization, when they had defensive tackle injuries, they went out and got two very veteran guys who were helpful. So the Eagles are not afraid to, if it's just a fill-in type thing, go with a little age on the player. So uh, that's a name we'll keep an eye on. All right, two last things. Number one, um, will the offensive corner Brian Johnson be asked about whose decision it was to run the ball down the Vikings' throats, will he say, that was me? Will he say, well, Nick told me to? Or will he say in the He'll course say, of the payment, he,
3: he, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll ask him. Um, I'm going to guarantee, if nobody else does first, I'm going to guarantee he says, it's a collaboration.
2: <laughs> yeah, collaboration. I knew that's exactly where he was going. You and I see that one exactly yeah. the same. All right, and uh, Monday night we're still now we gotta go six more days before we get an Eagle game, but I gotta give my guy Johnny Mac good news. Seven fifteen game, an early game. Although it's a night game, it's an early night game seven fifteen because next week is the last week. Of two Monday nighters. There's gonna be another game on after the Eagles. Oh
3: wow, I didn't even know that. That is good news.
2: The Eagles are the early Monday oh, night
3: game in Tampa. That's big. That extra Seven, hours. So that's an hour of your life. That still you can still enjoy. not great, but it's better. It's better.
2: It is Thank better because they, they've got the early game next week. And who's the second game? Bengals, Ooh, Bengals, Rams. I want to say the Bengals are playing. I
3: I, yeah. I ruined the Bengals
2: season. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Timeout, uh John McMullen. You ruined the Bengals season. Who'd you pick to go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC? The Bengals, didn't I? Who did I pick to go to the Super Bowl out of the The AFC? The Jets. The Jets. Who's more ruined, you or me? I'm one and one. You're 0 and 2. But I'll tell you that I am way more ruined than you are.
3: That's true. You probably are. But I think uh, uh, Jake Browning might be the Bengals quarterback this week. So short term. Jake Browning
2: can outplay Zach Wilson, Twenty times, twenty yeah. times. I take Jets 20, got hey, got over Zach Wilson.
3: Jets Jets have to do something. They're too good to, They're too good. I, I don't know who, who Matt Ryan. I don't I don't know I don't know. But they did, don't have a good we watch, offensive did line. We watch
2: Matt Ryan last year.
3: Yeah, but uh, at least he knows what to do. <laughs> They're, they're
2: screwed the jets are screwed well but yeah. again uh we'd be out of time uh this was a fun show today i had fun doing it. you have fun doing it johnny may i had a lot of fun yeah. uh marcus we, kevin did a tremendous show we hope you had fun uh watching we're gonna do the same exact thing again tomorrow so uh on we're your way out the, the weeds door.
3: again i love when we get in the weeds and marcus sometimes, they're talking
2: sometimes. about holders we need a weed whacker to get out of yeah. birds 365 Uh, For all 470, some of you uh, who have uh, streamed in right now, make sure you hit the like button on the way out. Help us out with our algorithm because the Mac and Mac guys always need your help. Always appreciate you joining us and we'll appreciate you joining us again in two and two.
0: You've been listening to Birds 365. on Birds 365.